You are listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast, where you can hear the latest messages and other conversations as we strive to go serve and love in our communities. If you want to know more about us, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org. If you've enjoyed our podcast, be sure to subscribe and check us out on YouTube. Today we come to part five of our series uh, entitled Foundations, and we've talked about God's amazing grace. We've talked about what is a real Christian. We've talked about the Trinity. Then last week, uh, Ben did a great job talking about holy character. And this morning, I want to talk about personal worship. Personal worship. And one of the first questions I would ask you, did you spend any time with God this morning before you come to worship God? You see, worship doesn't just happen in the house of God. It's a 24-7 thing. And we need to understand that. And that's what I'm trying to explain, I think, more so here today. Reminds me of a story about a man came home from work one day. He was totally exhausted, overworked, and decided to go up and tell his little boy good night before he went to bed. So he went up into his room to tell his son good night. And the boy, as you can imagine how children are, said, Dad, can you tell me? How much money do you make at work? Well, the guy was, you know, he's kind of wore out. And he really didn't want to talk about it. And he said, son, that doesn't really matter. No, daddy, I mean, how much money do you make an hour? Well, the father gave him a little stern lecture. And then he said, I make $25 an hour. Now go to bed and don't ask me that anymore. He said, well, dad, one more question. Can I borrow $10? He said, no, now go to bed. Well, the next morning, after a good night's sleep, the father woke up and thought, man, I was kind of rude. I want to go up there and apologize. So he went up and he apologized to his son, said, I'm sorry, son, I'd lost my temper. He said, here's your $10. The boy lit up like a Christmas tree. He ran, brought back his piggy bank, busted it open, pushed the pen, I mean the pennies, the nickels, the quarters, the dimes, all toward his dad, and reached in his pocket and got out that $10 bill and said, Dad, here's $25. Can I buy an hour of your time. Now, I want you to listen to that this morning. This little boy wanted to spend time with his father so badly that he was willing to pay for it. Well, think about it. Our Heavenly Father wants us to spend time with Him so badly, He has literally paid for it as well. How did He do that? He sent His Son, Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, to remove every barrier, to tear tear down every wall, bridge every guff, and unlock every door that we might have a personal relationship with Him and spend time with Him any time we want. Hear me this morning. Everybody worships something or someone. Real, Real worship involves worshiping the right God the right way. You see, worship has a spiritual side, a physical side, and an emotional side. But most importantly today, I want to talk about the personal side. Because yet there is an intimacy that worship requires, and that is the personal side. Now, Lori and I have been married for almost 37 years. And even though I get on her nerves... We have a wonderful marriage. Right, baby? 
wonderful marriage. And I, now see, listen to y'all. And I really am. I am in more, I'm more love with her now than I ever have been. I will tell you that. You know, in age, I guess we'll do some of that to you sometimes. But at the same time, we go through periods because of family and schedules and, and work and different things that we kind of put each other off and we don't spend as much time as we need with each other. And she's very good to let me know, hey, I think it's time for you and I to spend some time together. Some of you know how that is, especially when you have so many things going on. But just as a husband and a wife need time together, just as a father and son or a mother and daughter need time together, we all need time together with our Father in heaven where we simply bathe him in loving worship and bathe in his love for us. Call it whatever you want to call it. Call it a quiet time. Call it a devotional life. Personal worship. God desires that time with us, and we need it. And I know some of you are asking, well, why? Why do I need to take time out of my busy schedule to just spend time with God? What am I going to miss if I don't? Or what am I going to get if I do? Well, I'm going to let someone today who has a far busier schedule, or he did, he's dead now, okay? Then you, uh, then you answer that question. He was a king, and he, let, um, he had a full-time job running the most powerful kingdom in the world. But he made spending time with God a priority, and he shows us why. Psalm 37, one of the first uh, sermons I ever preached in my life was out of this uh, book right here, this chapter. Psalm 37, and we're going to begin with verse 4, and we're just going to read through verse 7. It says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light, and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord, and wait patiently for Him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in His way, over the man who carries out evil devices. First thing I want you to see this morning is personal worship brings fellowship. And we need to understand that God desires our fellowship. Look at verse 4. Delight yourself also in the Lord. Everything that David is going to say in the next several verses hinges on this concept of delighting yourself in the Lord. Now, most Christians don't understand this, much less practice it. You see, the reason why many Christians don't delight in God is because they don't know Him very well. Do you believe that? The reason they don't know Him very well is because, duh, they don't spend time with Him. You see, that word delight literally means to take pleasure in. Nothing or no one should give you more pleasure than God himself. Nothing should take priority over your personal relationship to God. It is more important than your relationship with your spouse. It is more important than your relationship with your children. It's more important than your relationship with your family. It's more important than your relationship to your business or anything or anybody. As a matter of fact. The better your relationship is with God, the better it is with other people. 
The number one reason I believe why the average Christian is really below average is because they neglect spending time with God. Look at this quote by Vance Havner. Once this is what he said. The average Christian is so subnormal that if he ever got normal, he would be considered, what? Abnormal. Quite frankly, there is a radiance and a joy and a zeal for God that is missing in most Christians. I read about a famous composer that had a rebellious son. He used to come in late, night after night, after his father and mother had gone to bed. And well before going to his room, he would always go down on his father's piano and very slowly, but very loudly, play a simple scale. But he would always leave out hitting the final note on that scale. Leaving the scale uncompleted, he would go to his room. Well, the father, and some of you would be like this, hearing that scale, minus the final note, would toss and turn on his bed. His mind unable to relax because the scale had not been finished. Finally, in consternation, he would stumble down the stairs and hit that previously unstuck note. Only then would his mind surrender to go back to sleep. Now, I say all that to say this. I am convinced that the missing note in the average Christian's life is simply neglecting to simply take time out of every day where you do nothing but spend time with God, reading His Word, praying, just talking to Him in prayer, listening to Him, trying to get your heart to be one with His heart. My mother, for the first 20 years of my life, was my greatest spiritual influence. She taught me how to memorize Scripture, she taught me how to have a quiet time. She taught me how to pray. I remember how she taught the Word of God like no other. Listen, you cannot spend time with God, get close to God, know God better, and love God more, and be the same person. You have to spend time with Him. That is the only way you're going to get to know Him. And love him more. And spend the, you just got to spend all the time you can ever imagine. Personal worship first brings fellowship. But personal worship also brings fulfillment. Look at the latter part of that verse 4. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, at first glance, that's kind of like Aladdin in the lamp. You know what I mean? Uh, all we have to do is just kind of tell the Lord that we delight in him. He's going to give us whatever. We used to call that that Cadillac faith. You know, when Cadillacs was the only kind of big vehicle. Lord, I want a Cadillac. Okay, that's the desire of my heart. No, it doesn't work like that. All we have to do, listen. Listen. That is really not what this verse says, nor what it means. Keep in mind that delight comes before the desire. In other words, when you delight yourself in the Lord, your desire will be His desire. Another way of putting it is this way. When you put God first... You actually put yourself first. Let me say that again. When you put God first, you actually put yourself first. Listen to this. You see, there are three types of desires that you can have. 
One is a selfish desire. Many times we want something that God may not want for us. But we go ahead and take it and then blame God with it. You ever done that? I love this. I read about a lady who was trying to lose weight and she gave this testimony. Listen to this. I'm not much to giving to visions and personal revelations, but recently had a real experience of the working of God in my life. I have been on a diet and I have been doing very well, but it's been a struggle. The other morning I was driving and I passed a Dunkin' Donut. Well, I thought a cup of coffee and a donut would really hit the spot. But then I remembered my diet, so I just simply said this prayer. God, if you want me to stop for a donut, let there be a parking place right in front. Sure enough, the seventh time around the block, there was that parking place. Amen. Amen. Now, sometimes our selfish desire is just that. They're selfish. Other times, our desire is satanic, a satanic desire. There are times when we want what the devil wants us to want. And it comes in the form of temptation. It's like the woman I read about who came home and broke the news to her husband that she had bought a $500 dress. Then she gave this excuse. The devil made me do it. The husband said, well, why didn't you just simply say to the devil, get thee behind me. She said, I did. And he said, it looked just as good from back there. <laughs> Amen. But see, God, what he wants for us is to have a sanctified desire. Sanctified desires. He wants our desires to be his desires for us. You see, one of the greatest questions you can ask God on a day-to-day basis, on a day-to-day basis, is this. Lord, what is the desire of your heart for my heart? See, when you delight yourself in the Lord, you put God first. But you really put yourself first because he will then give you the desires of your heart, which is really the desire of his heart for your heart. Let me give you uh, a principle never to forget. When you want what God wants, God will always give you more than you want. Do you remember the story, some of you in 1 Kings 3, of God coming to Solomon? He said to Solomon, ask anything that you want and I'll give it to you. Now what did Solomon ask for? Wisdom. He asked for wisdom. Well, that is exactly what God wanted for him. That's what he wanted him to want. But the scripture goes on to say that God also gave him riches and honor. See the extra he gave? One of the greatest lessons I've learned about God is this. God does not want what is good for me. God does not even want what is better for me. God wants what is, say it, best for me. You see, when you spend time with God, learning what he wants... You always get God's best. Thirdly, personal worship brings fruitfulness. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He will do this. Now, the word commit literally means to roll. Roll over. It's a Hebrew word. Roll your whole burden over to God. Commit your career. Commit your reputation. Commit your lifestyle to God. 
Listen, when we do commit all of our works and all of our ways to the Lord, we are told, and he will do this. What that means is he will bring about everything in your life that will be for his glory and for your good. So let me ask you a question. In every part and parcel of your life, do you want your way or are you willing to ask God to do it his way, which is really the best way? You see, God is concerned not, listen, concerned with what you can do in your life. He's not concerned with what you can do in your life. He cares about what he can do, what? Through your life. The things that God wants you to do for him are the things only he, he can do through you. That is, the only thing that matters to God in your life is what he can do through your life. You've heard me say many times from this pulpit, God cannot do a work through you until, first of all, he has done a work in you. We need to remember that. But the things that God wants to do, man, we just need to understand he's always wanting something better than we want. I want you to remember this simple fact from the law of physics. Water boils at 212 degrees, okay? 212 degrees. But at, but at just 211 degrees, it is just hot water. Now think about that. One extra degree, an increase of less than one-half of one percent can make the difference between a pot of very warm liquid and a bubbling cauldron of tremendous power. Now think about that. One degree difference can create a full head of steam with enough power to move a train weighing several tons. Without God, you will always be a degree short in whatever you're trying to accomplish in your life. That's why the greatest thing you can ever do with your business, with your goals, with your ambitions, with your plans, with your desires, with your family, with your own life, is to commit it to the Lord and trust Him with it. Lastly, personal worship brings freedom. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Three times in the first eight verses, of this psalm, we're told, do not fret, do not fret, do not fret. You find that verse 1, 7, and 8, the word fret literally means worry. Do not worry, do not worry, do not worry. In other words, don't get uptight. Don't get anxious. Don't let the pressures of the world get you down. You see, when you spend time with God, you get to know God better. And when you get to know God better, you trust God more. And when you trust God more, you will love him even greater. When you know him and love him and trust him, you can rest in him and you can simply wait patiently for him to work things out in your life. Then you will be freed from worry. 
One of the greatest ways to combat worry in your life is to bring your focus back to the Lord. Mark Twain once said this, I've been through some terrible things in my life, some of what's really happened. It's amazing, if you think about it, how many of our fears and things that we worry about are pair in comparison to the great God that wants to be in control of our life. Do you understand that anxiety and fretting are the two most paralyzing things to a Christian today? Because, see, we all have a settled course of life. I mean, you already have your lunch plans. And guess what? If something comes in and upsets your lunch plans and messes them up, if they're like mine, I get upset because I like to eat. I like to have plans. But isn't that funny? We have a settled course of life. We have a vacation. Something comes in, it changes the vacation. Things happen, right? We understand that. I heard about a teacher who was teaching math to a first grade class. You're going to love this. And she looked at a little boy named William and said, William, what is three-fourths of five-sixteenths. He thought about it for a moment and said, Miss Smith, I don't know exactly what it is, but it's not enough to worry about. <laughs> you see, if you really put things in perspective and understand that we can delight ourselves in the Lord, commit our way to the Lord, trust in the Lord, and eventually we can rest in the Lord, then really nothing is worth worrying about. Amen? So let me close this. But it all comes back to spending time with Him. I guess this piece a pastor friend sent me sums it up the best. Did Jesus use a blog at the Sermon on the Mount? Did He have to be on iTunes for His ministry to count? Did he ever use Twitter to get his message out? Did the disciples carry iPhones as they went out and about? Did Paul use a laptop with lots of RAM and ROM? Did he use an email address such as paul at rome.com? Did he always have to hear God's word on his personal iPod? Did he need his Apple AirPods if he wanted to hear from God? Did Moses use the Xbox controller? At the parting of the sea? Did he need a satellite GPS to show him where to be? Did he receive the commandments on tablets or really on CD? Did he really lead the Exodus or is it just on DVD? If in your life the voice of God is sometimes hard to hear, with other voices calling, his doesn't touch your ear, then set aside that iPod, unplug that fancy gear, Open up that Bible and talk to God in prayer. Have a time every day of personal worship and watch how God radically changes you and your life in the process. Now I want to close with two quotes that I found regarding worship. And I hope you're able to grasp what they really mean, okay? Remember what I said, at, um, well, let me just say this. We are a church that is about evangelism and missions. We believe in that, don't we? We've seen many people baptized. We have many missionaries and mission organizations. 
And that's two of the greatest things that we do. Amen? And as important as those two things are, they can't be compared to worship when we go to heaven because we're going to be worshiping God forever. We won't be doing missions and evangelism. Do you understand that? Say amen. So first, we see, missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over and the countless millions of redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more, but worship abides forever. John Piper, look at this one. I am compelled to put evangelism in its proper place. It's number two on God's agenda. Worship is number one. If churches kept this truth in perspective, a lot of them would be more honoring to God and significantly more evangelism would be taking place. Makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? There's nothing more important than worshiping our King of kings and Lord of lords. As we prepare for invitation, as I said earlier, I want to have a special time of prayer today for our community, for our nation, our country. We want to pray for all the families that have lost these kids and grandkids and moms or grandmothers in these shootings. We've had some, even in our community, to lose kids to suicide. This world is a mess. You know why it's a mess? How many times have I told you why it's a mess? You know why? Because you're a mess and this pastor's a mess. But God likes to come in the middle of all the messes and make something beautiful out of that. I believe that with all of my heart. What if these kids that were murdered or have lost their life were our kids and grandkids? Do you think someone would really have to teach us how to pray and call out to God? But yet we don't know what's coming, do we? We don't know what's around the corner. This is why personal worship is so important. Now, some of you older people, how many of you remember the name Larnell Harris, one of my favorite singers? How many of you remember that popular song, I Miss My Time With You? I don't care who you are. You can be a pastor. You can be Billy Graham. You can be whoever you are. But there's always been a time or two or three or four when we just didn't have that quiet time. We just didn't go to God in prayer. And I'll give you an example for me. 90% of the time, I'm up early, real early. And I'm right there in my recliner, and that's what I do my thing for the Lord. But there have been times, because of my business, or because of whatever it was, that I would walk right past that recliner and right out the door. You ever done anything like that? But God never moved. God was still right there in that recliner waiting on me. I'm the one that's moved. But you need to understand something. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, 
Man, I've been beating up on myself. I had done my quiet time six out of seven days. Well, God bless you. That's incredible. Don't feel guilty. We all slip. We all slide. We all mess up. But I want to tell you right now, when something comes in our life, such as a tragedy, nobody has to tell us how to pour out our heart to God. And guys, we need to learn to be so in love with God, to have such a relationship with God, a personal time with God, that when tragedy comes, we're not taken by surprise. Because the Bible says, in the last days, there's going to be a lot of crazy things happening. And it's here. And it's happening. But you need to understand that God has not put a spirit of fear into us. We need to understand that today. He has overcome the world. Amen? And we need to understand that. So in a moment, I'm going to pray. If you're here today, you don't know the Lord Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior would like to know Him. I would ask that you would come and grab maybe one of us pastors by the hand and let us pray with you about that. But I'm going to ask for those of you who are able to come down here to this altar in just a moment when I stand and just pray silently. You can pray together, whatever. And then uh, I'm going to ask Pastor Ben to come and close us out uh, with a prayer for all of this. But I want us to pray for whatever's on your heart. We have uh, two funerals here next week. Uh, there's a lot of hurting people. We have someone in here today that's lost a spouse not too long ago. And all, all of us, all of us, guys, we have something we need to talk to God about. I don't care who you are. None of us have arrived. Amen? And we need to understand that the closest, best thing that can ever happen in our life is being close to the one who has called us and saved us and one day will call us home. Amen? Amen. Bow your heads with me. Father God, today, my prayer is that all of us, God, <clears throat> would understand that you have our best interest in mind. And Father, if someone is here today that does not know you as Lord and Savior, would you just let them know that, God, you are knocking on that heart's door and that, Lord, all they need to do is just answer it, God, and you will just be there for them. Lord, for others in this place today, if they're looking for a church home and they feel like maybe this is the place that, God, they would come and let us know that. But, God, for the countless many in this place today, who are suffering from some loss of life of a loved one. Lord, for our country, Lord, who have lost, Lord, their loved ones in a war, God, or, or just on the front lines. Lord, I pray for them today. I pray for all these families. But God, today, would you help our church to understand, again, that we want to be a church that's known for what we're for and not what we're against. And God, we're for calling on the, your name when we need help. And God, we need help in our country today. We ask all this in your precious name. Amen. Would you stand and would you sing? Would you just come today and just stand and just pray and just pour your hearts out to God today? Thanks for listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast. We hope you are encouraged today and we would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer request, a topic you would like to discuss, or want to share what God is doing in your life, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org forward slash central hub.